Good morning, everybody. What's up, Jason Felix? I see you. <laughs> God, that's pretty. All right. Good morning, everybody. This is Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude. It's so good to see everyone this morning. What's up, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio? Good morning. What's up, Facebook? What's up, YouTube? How you guys doing? We are live today, and we have a really good show. Golly, I'm grateful today for a good night's sleep. I know that sometimes is trivial, but if you ever just felt like your brain was going to explode, and and <laughs> just like, ah! And then all of a sudden, a good night's rest just makes it all better. So, yesterday was a crazy day, and as you guys know, I've uh, I've started a new little venture and it's got me, I'm so busy, and it's nonstop, and it's made doing the show a little bit more challenging because, well, it's at 9 o'clock, and this is like the busiest time. So taking the break, watching my phone ring 50 times has been, is always, is fun. That's why I didn't do the show Monday. So I'm going to get this worked out. I may have to change the show time, but uh, I may have to do a night show, which is something I want to do anyway. Um, but golly, morning gratitude. You know, it's so important, but I'm so grateful for a good night's rest. Um, I'm just enjoying the heck out of having my daughter here. It's just been, it, it's been a dream. Now looking for a place to live, may go back to LA, may stay in San Diego, who freaking knows? I don't know. But I'm really excited about today's guest. Um, we had to, we've had him scheduled before and unfortunately uh, had to reschedule, but we are back in action now. So uh, Stephen Eugene Kuhn is a decorated US military combat veteran who turns failing business into success around Europe and the United States. Stephen has been handpicked to consult some of the most influential people in the world about how to expand their brand, build value and loyalty, and develop strategies for increasing beneficial relationships. Throughout his career, Stephen has led international organizations, managed multi-continent projects, and coached executive teams in traditional ways that led to significant success across the board. Stephen Hales from Pennsylvania, I hope he's a Steelers fan, in the United States and served in the U.S. Army from 1986 to 1993, based in Germany. During his service career, Stephen served one tour in Iraq during Operation Desert Storm as a sergeant. Wow, he's got a, he's got a, a long bio, but we're going to put it in the comments and just get right into it because I'm not going to do a reading lesson today, but this guy's a stud. Like, this is an absolute blessing to have him on the show. So, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Mr. Stephen Eugene Kuhn. How are you, sir? 
All right, how are you? Thanks for the uh, for the introduction. Yeah, man. It's a long one. Yes, it is. <laughs> it well, and you know, in the bio thing, it's 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 funny because you have the radio audience that listens, and then you want to give them an idea, but at the same time. People don't come on the show to listen to me read. <laughs> yeah. Amen to that. I hear that. I hear that. I, I didn't realize that I sent you the entire long video. About it. Sorry about that. No, don't apologize. So where are you at? Are you in? You're overseas right now, right? Yes, I'm in Budapest. This is my uh, one of my residences. Yes. Wow. Well, first, my wife. My wife is Hungarian, and we have two children, uh, three and four years old, and uh, they reside in Budapest because I want them to be with family, uh, cousins, aunts, uncles, grandmothers, grandfathers, great grandmothers and grandfathers. Yes. Wow, man. So, um, yeah. Well, first things first. The very first question that we ask every day is, what are you grateful for this morning? Oh, this morning I'm grateful for my family. It's a, it's a thing that I, a ritual that I have every morning. We do it like a conscious connection. We have a, a moment of zen, I guess you could say, between my wife and I and then the kids. Um, and it's just something that we consciously train our subconscious brain to do every single day. I love it. Yeah, gratitude is... Uh, it's funny. I, I when I learned the trick about gratitude and, and and saying like after you say I'm grateful for this, ask myself why and answer it until I run out of whys. That trick has really helped transform my gratitude practice, um, especially especially the days that I want to be lazy about gratitude. Because I mean, doing it every morning, yeah, it's a routine. But that doesn't mean that you're you know you we always play all out, or at least I can speak for right. myself. Oh, yeah. So that helps me trick me into being really grateful. <laughs> so Yeah, I, I, that's actually a good idea. I'm going to try that tomorrow morning. So I'm going to ask you something. Um, and I, just because of your experience in the military and, and you're working overseas, so you're not in America um, full-time at least, and like, what is your feeling about what's going on right now with this, this summit between North Carolina – I mean North Carolina. <laughs> North <laughs> – oh, I don't know if that's some kind of weird slip or not, but <laughs> we'll go with North Korea and the United States. Like, what's your feeling about all this? I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, you ended all these years of, 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 of pressure and problem and threats and just the total chaos. Ended it. I don't care who did it. To tell you the truth. It doesn't matter to me who did it. As long as it's done. I think it's fantastic. It's I, It sure does bring hope. And I've been one of those suckers for um, world peace. Just because yeah. as the world's gotten smaller and we start to realize, oh my gosh, we're really not that different. We just grew up and we were raised in a different environment. But outside of that, we're really kind of the same people. And you know that well, as it, well as anyone. This is the deal. It's the deal is that when you travel all over the world, which I do, and we was in Italy last weekend. I was in Croatia this weekend. Uh, now I'm in Hungary. And it's the news that we hear and the politicians that tell us that we're different. But when you meet people in person, no matter what country, it's just like you and I. Wherever you go on this planet, it's like this. Yeah. So, and, go ahead. And, and, and that's what most people forget. They sit home on their, on their sofa, they listen to the radio, and they're like, oh, man, those people over there are different. Oh, this guy's different, or that guy's different, or you know, that kind of stuff. And, and, and it's always like looking at the differences instead of the commonalities. So for me, it's, it's always a... A shame. That's why I don't watch any TV anymore. I just, I just don't, I just don't watch any at all. Zero for what five or eight years now. That's impressive. I'm going on. I'm going on a year with no, no TV. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning, and, Bonnie. Um, and happy, right? You're like it, much happier. Like the, nothing drags you down. The only thing I'm going to have to change gems again because they keep playing the news. Like that's the only time I see it, and I'll look up, 
every morning at 5.30 in the morning when I go, there it is. There's something about Trump. And I'm like, golly. Yeah. Like, this is... I want to talk about something else. <laughs> yeah. I don't even like baseball, but I'll else. talk about that. At least look at something else. Give me a picture of something else. I mean, geez, you know. So, uh, so I've met a lot of consultants in my day. And I've done some consulting work. And I've, and I've you know, observed a lot of consultants do their thing. Like, I... You know, there's a lot of bad apples out there, you know, where right. they just they're shuffling paper more or less. So they go in to disrupt, but they don't actually change anything. I've heard just through the grapevine that you have a much different approach to consulting. Can you talk a little bit about that? Indeed. Um, well, I, I sort of learned on the job uh, as a consultant, but I wasn't a consultant from an office. I was a, a consultant in the field, so they called me an implementer. Ooh. And, I, and I worked for, for big corporations. For instance, one was listed on the stock market in Germany, in London, and one was listed on the NASDAQ. And they had me go, and they had, I had five locations. So they had me going from location to location, turning them around, fixing the problems, training the staff, and doing what I call PPS, people, procedures, and structures. And my job was simple. Find the quickest way create revenue immediately so that the staff can sort of take a breath and actually look at the real problem and plan out strategically exactly what they want to do and not always be reacting but instead acting so and that and that's what i do my I, it's called immediate impact consulting i go into your company and i'll find a way to, to, to create immediate impact uh, uh, with new revenue so that you can breathe put your head up and look around and we can work together on, on the true solutions so how important is the infrastructure build out to you? Do you get involved in that as well? Like the basically Indeed, deconstructing of the company, but then putting them back together. After, after I make the meeting, the first thing I do is I find out what's going on in the company, where they're at, what the prices and you know what they're doing uh, is not as much as important as important as what they're not doing, because there's only certain ways to grow revenue, and there's only a few certain ways to grow revenue in a company. And I know right away they're only doing two. I'll just do the thing we want to create revenue immediately. Right. So, and, and it's really not that difficult, if, if I'm honest. I don't want to make my job sound simple, but that's the easy part is creating that immediate impact. The hard part is sustaining it, number one. Number two, getting the structure to support it. Sure. Now, do you stay, are you, do you go in and integrate yourself with the company for like over a period of several months, or is it a you get in, do your thing, and then leave? How does that work? I've done it. I did that for 20 years. I actually went to the companies. I worked for one company for, for, for 15 years whenever they needed me. I was on, the, on basically on a retainer for 15 years. And I just rolled out that 87 locations in Europe, and that's all, that's all I did. Then I had four wow. other clients, sometimes six months, sometimes eight months. I did, did one for two and a half years. Uh, I did one for three months. It just depends what they need and what the, what the impact of my, you know, my changes bring with it. Because when I got my MBA, I focused specifically on change, so management of change. The difference between structures and cultures, as you know, a structure you can change like that. A culture, it takes both. And I always, I, for for me, the heaviest part, the most important part, is the culture itself. So I go in, immediate impact. Then we work on the structures, and we and we work on the procedures so that the the leaders can actually lead instead of manage. Sure. So the manager, the management is taken. The, the management aspect of, of the leadership is taken out of the way by number one, delegating the task and never the responsibility, and two, having the perfect procedures in place so that the people don't have to think and wonder what they need to do. And then through this, we can train a culture into place that actually nurtures this kind of uh, uh, togetherness. I guess you could say. I'm a big fan of the approach of taking the company and transforming the mindset where it becomes a leadership company, where. Right. You're not, it's, yeah, of course, there's always a hierarchy. There's the C-suite. There's all of that. But the point being to elevate everybody else 
And I, I love that approach and I love that mindset. Now, obviously, you have some people that are not going to be up to the challenge or the task. And they're not going to want all that leadership BS. And, and guess what? They, they get to leave. <laughs> about, about 10% sort of, they go, they, go, they go on their own usually. They leave on their own. Within three to six months, they're gone. I love, I love what I love about your approach to going in to the business and helping them make some money right away is it all it justifies also the expense i mean a lot of people look at consultants like with a, a scarlet letter like oh you're a consultant yeah, yeah everybody's a consultant but i mean yeah, when exactly. you're going in and making a money right off the bat and paying basically paying for your services that that kind of eases the at least for the ownership in the c-suite right it eases it a little well, bit no- you know, and there's so much more that I offer than just consulting. I'll do training workshops for them on top of that. I'll do their whole mission, vision, value proposition, their, their essence and their personality. I'll work with their team and create new teams within the teams, work on mindset. Now, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a military veteran, and I work with politicians, rock stars. And, I, you know, I've, I've managed part of Andrea Bocelli's team. I've done, you know, where I worked for uh, Olivia Newton-John, brought her country to set, or her company to seven countries. Um, you know, I even worked for Mick Jagger. And these are all things, positions that I've force myself into sure and the reason that I could keep these things and actually move forward is because I did things like that right so it wasn't just me uh, it's, it's not just me going into a company saying let's make more money let's do this I actually have a million different ways to, to grasp at your problem mm-hmm. and find a solution that actually tailored to your situation now that sounds that sounds very cheesy and nice and packaged uh, but it's not it's, it's sometimes it's a little messy sometimes we got to do some you know some breaking of procedures so to say and to start over and things like that uh, but there's not much that I haven't seen, and I know that sounds a little arrogant. But at the age of 51, I've been working since I was, you know, 18 years old, full time, and before that, at part time, um, and in nine countries and about 20 different uh, industries. So, um, and it's always been hands on. I've never been that office guy ever. Now, yeah. eight months ago, I stopped traveling, dead cold turkey. So I traveled four days a week um, for 20 years, and I, I got married actually. Tomorrow will be five years. Congratulations. I, I got married and to my, my Hungarian wife. And um, eight months ago, I came home and saw my kids. And they were grown up, uh, three and four years old, uh, suddenly, from zero to three. And I was like, what happened? So I said, I'm done. I'm not traveling anymore. And she said, what are you going to do for money? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> so I figured, what do I going to do? Hmm, okay, let me do consulting online. And in the last eight months, I've turned it into a, a multi-six-figure business. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. What? Thank you. I'm I'm fascinated with people that work all over the world because I I know that you pick up. I mean, on a smaller level, when I lived in Oklahoma, one of the things that I loved to do in my previous industry was I would travel out to California or to New York or to Florida. I would get the hell out of Oklahoma because I wanted, I believe in sharing ideas. I believe in collaboration. And when you're a competitor or a direct competitor to somebody, you're not you're not going to share ideas with them because it's like, well, you're going to take business from me. No, but people are more open-minded, especially in the industry I was in to sharing ideas. Um, From your perspective, traveling all over the world, what would you say, like of all the places you've been probably has the most inspiring entrepreneur culture? Oh, wow. Um, You know, I I think, it's hard to say. I, 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 well, let me put it this way. I was in Croatia this weekend on a, an event. It was a private island, and it was called Baby Bathwater. And Baby Bathwater is an event formed from American uh, two American friends 
and from Colorado. And it's the top entrepreneurs in the world that showed up. And I'm talking the founder of the of the Dollar Beard Club, the founder of Athletic. You know, I mean, just 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 ridiculously said that the one person who spends more money on YouTube than anyone else in the world, the one agency that spends more money on Instagram than any other in the world. And there was 150, 150 of them there. And it was a no pitch zone, so everyone gave freely. Everything was given out. There was no you couldn't record anything, of course, but all of their secrets, everything we did. And I was there as almost the only. Um, a consultant, so I was giving out free advice. They were giving out free advice, and I've never seen anything like it. Babybathwater.com, check it out. Incredible, and, um, and you know, there's a, a stringent process to get to go. They interview you. It's like a two and a half hour interview that I went through on Skype, um, and I've never seen anything like that. But to your question, I have to say that um, the Americans are the entrepreneurs of the world. I mean, there's there's not much the American attitude and. The, uh, the 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 let's say love of risk almost I guess you could say there is in our our society in America there this it's it's all risk yeah and over here in Europe if you lose your job you have a pay, you have a paycheck that's usually bigger than the one you had when you were working what you know so, you know, so it's just, yeah well in Germany and in Switzerland I have friends that became friends that worked for me in Switzerland when I had a company down there and they would work for two years and then they just say okay could you fire me and they do something so you fire them. Then, the, then they had two years of unemployment money, which, because it was tax free, was actually more than they were making when they were working. So they had two years of free money. And you know, this is all over Europe. Yeah, yeah, this is all over Europe. Western Europe, not Eastern Europe. In, in, in Budapest, you get you get forty dollars a month for three months, and then you're done. That, that's your unemployment. <laughs> so yeah, it's sink or swim. Yeah. Wow. So the American entrepreneur is is the champion that I've I've never seen American anyone else um, more say risk joy joyful for risk than, than americans i can't i can't find the words but americans are just the go-getters on the planet and i don't i'm not saying that because i'm american i'm saying it because i've literally worked in just about every country there is um i like to say that australia is also up there on the charts we have a bunch of aussies um, that listen to the show yeah cool right, I, they're, they're up there on the charts said africa as they speak south africa uh, is also very you know it's the, the economy of south africa is very difficult right now and there's people just sprouting out of nowhere with new companies and great ideas and I, it's just for me it's inspiring to see all these people do all this stuff and for me living in Budapest there's no work here for me at my pay grade so to say um, average wages here about $700 a month yeah so yeah so I can't you know I mean rent uh, we got a house for $600 a month and it's ridiculous so you might as well not even buy um, we are buying but <laughs> and um, um, wow. so I could never survive here on so I have to go international so it's either fly or online and uh, I'm online now, so yeah, that's what I do. That's yeah, interesting. I wonder. I wonder how much of that with the with America in the entrepreneur scene. It, it, I wonder if it's that we have that we all want. You know, a lot of us want Ferraris, and we want. You know, I, I wonder how much that has to do with it. The excess. I don't think it has. I, I the, the the people that I know. Okay, we're materialistically focused. At least we were. I'm not anymore. I've been away from America. Now you got to realize, I left America in 1986 with the military and I got out in 1993 and I never went back. I literally walked off base in Germany and I was a civilian. Oh wow. I go back for vacation and that's it. I worked in Chicago for a short term for an American corporation, nine months, uh, did my task and I left. So um, I'm not as much, I'm, I'm not materialistic like at all, like, I, could, I don't give a darn, but I know the American culture is primed on that. Every TV show, every commercial, every news show, it's all about having you know something. So. But if I look at our society as a whole, we are a society that says nothing's impossible. That's true. We have to go. We have to do it. It's just we just do it. It's like you have to do this. 
You know, we get we go to school, we get up, we go, we walk to school, we you know all this kind of stuff like we used to when we were kids. You just do it. It wasn't a question like, do I have to walk? Can I, can you drive me? It was like you just have to do it, right? You know, and so we get done. And especially coming from the military, you know, when you're in the military, you have no choice. It literally is do or die. So you know, and I think we as a, as a nation, we're we're weaned on making it happen. You know, and that sounds super patriotic. And I'm not saying it because it's it's patriotic. I'm saying it because that's what I've noticed over all these years, uh, you know, 30 years abroad, that you can't really beat the American attitude. And it shows because of my success in, in, in all these countries. I mean, I, I work with politicians. I work with, you know, other you know business leaders and, and rock stars and things like that. And it's always the same. Like, where do you get that attitude? Where do you get that attitude? Like, I'm American. It's just the way we are. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to say I learned it, you know. That's... You know, I'd love to give some school credit or some course, some kind of credit, but it's not. It's because I'm American. Because I grew up that way. Yeah, I don't know how... I mean, it's... You know, I try to imagine what it would be like if I was raised somewhere else. But the fact is that, you know, I really... I wouldn't know what to compare it to. I mean, I just am happy that... I, I love the way that I am. I mean, I get... I have had more going on in the last four months than I've ever had in my life. And it's like, when do I breathe? But at the same time... I don't know how to be happy any other way. <laughs> I like being so you're busy. Talking about, you're talking about this life enterprise. You know, life life is an enterprise. You know, everything we do is connected. There's every business is personal. Yeah. You know, people who say, "Oh, I go to work and then I go home personally." No, your work is it's part of your life enterprise. And what holds that life enterprise together? Like everything we do are our bricks, and the mortar in between that's the money. Right? You can't live without money, unfortunately. Right. So the, the, the idea is, how, what's your mindset and how do you integrate that into your life enterprise? Some people choose to put the mortar in thick, you know? Right. <laughs> Some people want thick mortar, but they have a scarcity mindset, so they have really thin mortar lines, you know? So there's, there's all kinds of ways to go about this, but there's no, there's no getting around it. What you're talking about is exactly what I was talking about, and that's the life enterprise. It's all connected, brother. Yeah. It's all connected. Well, and for me, I made the I made the choice. Uh, God, I guess nine months ago, maybe even a year, that I'm going all in on me, like the the brand that I'm developing and how it ties into personal life, professional life. It's like here I am, <laughs> like deal with it. Yeah. And and I, but it's actually for all of the road bumps, it finally has started to serve me well. Like and now it's where I get to be comfortable just all the time because I didn't like shifting gears anyway like I yeah. it just allowed me to put on too many different masks like now I'm just me all the time like and again right. for better or worse think of anyone who's successful on the planet right are they off are they off on weekends and say I'm not Tony Robbins on the weekend yeah exactly you know I mean? I'm not Kim Kardashian on the weekend you know I mean it's like it's it's their life enterprise it's everything it's they are their brand they are their job they are who they are it's like everything's connected and, and 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 if you look at the people that are happiest that's how they are as well so the happy successful people in the world have this life enterprise where it's all one and it's, it's about balance right it's about balancing yeah. in those areas body mind relationships and business and trying to find a balance in all those areas so you're not lopsided for me i have a, I have a really uh, a simple um let's say um theory is if i'm looking at body mind relationships and business those four areas right if they're even and balanced i'm doing great but if one drops down let's say for instance i gain some weight and i don't feel so good so my body drops down what do you think fills that gap? Ego. Ego fills that gap. So we start getting louder. So I gain weight, I get louder to try to overcome in my own mind that I don't feel so great. 
right? So, so this, is, this is what the balance is about. You know, this is what that, that, that life enterprise balance is all about. So I work on that really, really hard. I have a Facebook group called The Humble Man, and that's all we work on. We work on our queen with the relationships. We work on the body of the mind. We work on, on, on business um, fiscal responsibility and leadership as well. Yes, The Humble Man. And among other groups. Um, but that's, that's my favorite group because it really tackles the, the, the interpersonal life entire life situation that we all find ourselves in whether we like it or not right i love that yeah. man listen mr coon i am it's a bit is it, it it's coon right that's how you say it yes okay yes. just make it sure perfectly like uh, i'm so surprised like, uh, me. well no i'm surprised too because i butcher people's names on the show all the time I'm like you know i think i should have picked it and, and it's so funny because it happens to people i actually know i just have we have a nickname <laughs> for each other or it's you know it, it's never I don't know. It's like people I've hung out with. I'm like, you know what? I have no idea how to say your last name. I'm sorry about that. Like, what's wrong with me? You said it better than you almost said it better than I did. That's the most perfect I've ever heard it said. I'm not kidding. Uh, man, I am. Um, I'm so grateful that you gave me some time today. I would. I would love because I. I want to go so that every time I have somebody on the first time, it's always an intro. Like I don't. I don't prepare questions. I just like to talk. I'm like, oh. You know what? I'd like to have this guy back on. So we'd love to have you back on the show. Um, but for being on the show today, I'm going to give you a giraffe. Okay. What? Yeah. Um, okay. You, man, I'm not supposed to laugh. Um, you cannot sell it and you cannot give it away. What are you going to do with it? I think my kids would enjoy it. I think my kids would enjoy it. We're, we're looking at some land in the country now. We got like 14 acres out there. There'll be plenty of room for them to run around. Man, that's so cool. <laughs> well, I listen, I can't wait to have you on again. Um, we'll get into a little bit of heavier stuff. Um, please do me a favor and plug, you know, in the in the comments, put your website and all of that information in there. I'd love for people to check out The Humble Man and some of your other groups. Mr. Kuhn, it's been an absolute blessing. God bless you and thank you for being on the show today. Thanks so much, Joshua, and thank you so much, everyone else, for watching. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. Bye. Bye. -bye. Oh, so cool. So you know, I'm I I'm ready for an assistant now. Like, so if you guys have any assistant recommendations, because I make the I have issues with scheduling, and I double scheduled today. So I our other guest so kindly has been patient, and now we're doing two interviews today. So you guys. Are getting a double treat. I um I, I don't even remember who introduced me. I'm gonna see if I can figure this out. Hold on, bear with me. We're gonna play some music while we're doing this. While I'm waiting to figure out, I'm gonna do something. Can I play this song? I don't know if this is, has cursing. Hold on, we're gonna play music for our next guest. We're gonna give him the proper intro. Hold on, two seconds, everybody. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's disco fever. It, uh, it up in morning gratitude because you know it's nighttime somewhere oh this is not working for me hold on here we go our next guest and of course it's not working <laughs> damn it I don't care you know what you guys know him he's a you guys know him our next guest ladies and gentlemen I'm so excited to have the one the only Mr. Mike Young on the show You have like the full intro music now. Yeah, I love it, Joshua. How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? Good. I, I appreciate your patience. I appreciate you being understanding. I don't know how. 
I do this. I don't even know how I organize my life half the time, and I, do, I show up to places where I'm supposed to be. But when it comes to scheduling guests, I am terrible. So thank you for your patience. Hey man, it's my pleasure. Um, you know, I think I think so many times we all fake it, right? And uh, the reality is, life gets messy sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it could be worse problems. You know, double scheduling on the show. <laughs> but I, I I do like. I actually almost brought you on to have a discussion, but sometimes I go, I don't know if that person's going to get pissed off or not, so I I don't do it. I'm. I threw somebody a curveball one day, and it actually ended up being one of the best interviews I've ever done. Like my it, on the downloads. On the podcast, it's the number one podcast I have, and it was just when I interruptly brought two of the most different people you can imagine on at the same time, and had this crazy conversation. It was so funny to watch him. It was with a, a human sexuality expert, and and my guest, who's this macho guy, and he's super awesome. I love Rich, but the conversation was hilarious. So anyway, with all that said, Mike, what are you grateful for this morning? Oh man, I'm grateful I made it to my office on time. Uh, I'm grateful that uh, you know I uh, have a beautiful wife, a beautiful family, and that they've stuck through me through a decade-long journey of uh, entrepreneurialism, if that's a word. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm grateful for so much. There's, there's just I try and I try and find gratitude in just about every circumstance when things go your way when they don't go your way there's always something that you can look at and find gratitude in i, I feel yeah I, I and i think there's always a way even when things get really tough um there and it, it can be it is hard to shift your mindset we talked about this actually as i was introing mr coon that you know being able to like even when you don't feel like doing gratitude just saying I'm, it, it could be anything. I'm grateful for the roof over my head. And then ask yourself why. Yep. And then yeah, why, why, uh, why. And it's helped so much. It's interesting. You know, I, I uh, coach my, my son's 11. I have a, a nine-year-old daughter. Um, I coach my son's Little League team. Uh, last night we lost in the championship game. And you see it in, in younger kids because they haven't developed that skill yet. Uh, you see... When things don't go their way, they have some adversity, they have excuses that come up and, and they want to blame. Um, and I'm always trying to find a way to encourage them to look at the positives. When, when you have adversity, sometimes that brings out your greatest strengths or sharpens you as a sword, you know, and, and it's hard when they're younger like that to see the world in that, through that lens. Um, but, but it's, it's something that every instance when things don't go your way there's usually some positive that comes out of it but you can only see that through reflection a lot of times so i know this is such a, a very basic question but who is mike young you know i uh i myself <laughs> i am a what i consider a visual brand expert we work with entrepreneurs to get them to look the part of who they are online. So we do visual brand makeovers. Um, a lot of who we work with are people that are very, very good at what they do. Um, they are authors, they're speakers, they're marketing experts, uh, they might be Instagram experts, but they're usually so, um, so good at what they do that they become out of alignment with what other people, new prospects see online. And so, 
you might go to, um, I'll, I'll use a, a former client of mine. She helps entrepreneurs write their first book. Um, but when you went to her online, you couldn't tell if she sold jewelry, jewelry. you couldn't tell if she sold apparel, uh, you couldn't tell if she was an author, you know? And so what we do is we come in and we clean all that up and we get the visuals to represent who they actually are. That's, and that's important. Like I, I have some personal experience with that. And <clears throat> when I started, I'll, I don't want to make this about me, but because I want to show I can relate to this, I... When I first started doing videos, because I believe in the power of video content, like everything I had read, it was a video, video, video. But I was so like, I don't have a message. I have nothing to talk about. And so I started reviewing skincare products online. And because I worked in that industry and I still do, I do product placement and some other things. But I, um, but that's what I started off doing videos. And I just, I found myself have going, I have to get so pumped up for this and almost fake my enthusiasm. And I don't like faking my enthusiasm, so I would wait until I found something exciting to talk about, and I would have weeks. I'm like, this is not the way content is supposed to be done. You need to be doing this every day. And I had a friend, his name's Todd Beats, who's actually the guy that painted these and some other paintings in my house. He said, just go on camera and like share your heart, share your journey. I'm like, no one wants to hear that. You know, that this is not, my journey sucks. Like, this is miserable. No one wants to hear about this. He's like, yeah, they do. And I finally started going online and, and I do these videos and I just share my journey. And then that led to creating a daily gratitude, which led to creating this show. But the point of that is, is I was all over the place with my brand. And I, and I, and I had to make a decision of going all in on me and in who I am and who I be and sharing that. And that was the only way that I could feel comfortable where I had to go, even if I'm in a crap mood and I'm wanting to drop F bombs every word, or if I'm in one of those praise Jesus, you know, moments, which I try to live my life all day, every day in, I want to, I want to express that. Or if I, I'm, I'm struggling, I want to share that or it, and, and that, that, and trying to wrap a brand around that, was a little uncomfortable until I decided to go all in on me. That changed everything because I had to be the guy that behind the camera or behind the microphone, or if you see me out in public, you're going to get the same thing every time. And then finding a way to brand it from there. That was like a key for me. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of times, I, I mean, when you say most, most business owners, they don't talk about visual branding. They, you know, I mean, visual branding, what is even that mean? And, and people gravitate towards logos, fonts, and colors. And how freaking interesting can that be to talk about that all day long, you know? Um, and I think, I think really what visual branding is, is it is your visual identity. It's everything a prospect can see online to form a first impression of you and decide whether they want to engage with you and your brand. And that comes down to comments you make online. It comes down to your Facebook posts. And so what I see from, for a lot of people, including myself in the past, was you would one minute have a post about the latest juice craze, the next post made you seem like a life coach, the next post <laughs> might make you seem like a marketing expert, and so you end up building up a confused audience online, and when you go to make an offer for your business, you wonder why nobody buys, because they don't know who you are and what you represent. Wow. And that's really what happens. And I can, I honestly, 
can admit to that too because on my website it was like what the hell are you i mean what do you do because i talk about products sometimes talk about brands but the fact is i'm the world's mayor i love to put people together for win-win collaborations that's all i care about in life is elevating other people and i want to see people reach their highest selves and I, I would have the worst time, Mike, when I would go to networking events or when I would go speak and people are like, well, what do you do? I'm like, ah, I just like to help people, yeah. <laughs> which is true. But I finally yeah. found a word that matched that and it, and it goes along with it. And literally, I, I, it's, harder, it's a harder path to be able to mm -hmm. say, one, I'm the world's mayor, but I bought the domain. You can look it up, theworldsmayor.com. Um, but also being that person that really just wants to elevate others and and, the, and the, the message behind that has been what i've had to go all in on because i have no interest in identifying with a product i don't want to go sell sell out for candles or lotion or skincare. i want to be the no be known as the guy that can help you get all of those things and and help you put you in a win-win a scenario i want to do that but you know branding that has been very, very interesting for me too. Um, and it's not been easy, but that's what I've decided to go all in on. So I'm getting ready to hit the on switch, like by bringing somebody like yourself into my life to help build all of this, because one, I can't manage it alone. And two, it, you really do need an expert and I'm not an expert in it. And unfortunately, you can have the greatest message in the world, but if, if you're not strategically putting yourself out there and you have a, as somebody guiding you, a coach, someone like yourself saying, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. You should focus your energies here. That, yeah. like, the, I, I'm ready for that. I've tried to do it organically by myself. I have a better understanding of how it all works. Enough to know, I don't want to do this all day. <laughs> like, I just want to like, okay, I want to be me and then have somebody else manage that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, and I think it's interesting when you, when you a lot of uh, action takers, they, they naturally become out of alignment with their visual brand because they're they're taking so much action that things just get messy, and <laughs> yeah. and it's don't you it's not only that you don't want to do it yourself or maybe you don't have the talent with as an as an artist, but it is the fact that you can't do it yourself. You need that outside reflection. You know, no human being that I know of has ever seen their own eyeballs. You need a mirror to be able to see the reflection to see your own eyes, and. And it's that outside perspective. It's somebody that knows what they're doing to come in and say, you know, sometimes we don't even know we're hurting our brand. And it, it's, it's, hey, did you see that comment in this group where you asked how to turn on your computer? You're hurting your brand because you look like a rookie. And, and we don't recognize those instances where we hurt our brand or help our brand. Sure. Or when we, when we drive our brand out of alignment and that's, that's it in a nutshell. If you're, if you're posting things online, you need to be aware of your brand. And that, that really comes down to usually the first problem is people don't know what their brand is or who they stand for or they're faking it. And so they're a different person offline than they are online. Um, and those things all play into the visual brand, the brand strategy, everything else. And, and when those things sync up, when you're the same person offline, and people meet you at a party or a networking event and they're like man you're just like i thought you would be because of your posts you know you're the exact same person you're so authentic um the, that just means that you have a strong brand in my opinion i i yeah and i that is the best compliment you can give me 
is because I'm the same crazy person all the time. Like I don't change. For be- and and again and I and I love that because there's nothing worse to me than going to one of those networking events and you see somebody on stage and they're talking about this and that and then yeah. on the car ride home with them or at the bar later you're going what that's yeah. not that's not what you're putting up on stage and Absolutely. and and people are so thirsty for something authentic and something real that. It's heartbreaking to see this and to have behind the scenes access like I do with a lot of different, you know, and, and a lot of different uh, uh, really not just speaking and, and, and all of that, but just in a lot of different industries, I get behind the scenes access and to see how phony a lot of it is. It's very frustrating and you know, it seems exhausting. Really a, small per- a small percentage of people that are authentic. Um, I, I really, you know, everybody feels uncomfortable at networking events and at parties, and and that uncomfortableness is because they're trying to put on a facade. A lot of times, I know I've done it in the past, and it kind of, I think, when you talk about gratitude, it, it comes down to being able to, um, for me anyway, it was it was finding a process through a lot of adversity of having self worth in myself. Um, self-discovery and a lot of times that stuff does only come through things that don't go your way unfortunately but but if you can get to a place where you are the same person 24 7 things become much much easier because you just don't have to fake it you know I don't have to worry about if I if I accidentally do drop an f-bomb today you know that's that happens sometimes I swear you know get, get used to it you know like, <laughs> I, I think I think it is becoming self-aware of who you are, what you represent, um, having self-worth. And a lot of times the reason that that journey, following the journey and you being authentic when you're having a bad day, people resonate with that because we all have bad days. Sure. Yeah, and we do. We all have bad days. And it's okay. So uh, what got you into this industry? Like what? why did you decide that you wanted to be a part of this? You know... um, I ran a mortgage company. We had 10 offices, 250 plus employees uh, up until 2008. The uh... uh-oh, our guest disappeared. There he is. We'll bring him. <laughs> Something about the mortgage industry and the user. Yeah, yeah, bye bye. Crashed. It crashed. Crashed the whole system. I hope that's not foreshadowing. it's in the past it's in the past so um yeah you know i ran a i ran a mortgage company we had 10 offices 250 plus employees uh things i thought were going well i kind of you know i had the big house i had the wife the kids um and when the u.s housing crisis hit it crashed my business it crashed our company um i i thought i think maybe delusionally that I've already created a multi-million dollar company. I could just do it again as an entrepreneur. Um, I, I went through a process where I laid everything out I wanted. You know, I didn't want massive emails and meetings and, and I didn't want the water cooler talk that I had. And I didn't want the complexity that came with a big company. <laughs> and I went through, I, I massively failed at my first entrepreneurial experiment. Uh, we, we tried a company that was a nonprofit we took on investor money and that failed within five months. Wow. And it created, for me, it created a massive um, confidence issue. 
I, I had tremendous shame around those two events back to back in 2008, 2009. I felt like I let my employees down when the company went under. I felt like I let my family down and investors down when my first entrepreneurial experience went under. And I went through what I would say is, is kind of a crazy four year period of really a process of, of hiding in a way, uh, hiding, not putting myself back out there again and, and only coming to recognize now that it was because I had tremendous fear around if I put myself back out there and I'm authentic online, it might fail again. And then I'm gonna fail again in front of an audience. Um, and so I, I created over 50 brands between 2010 and 2015. And that was, we, we would try anything. I would try, um, well, I've got an automated CRM with email marketing and that's an idea. So let's create a logo and a brand and, and social media and a website. I would try uh, a coaching company and, and thankfully out of the 50 brands, about three of them did really well. But that process, I, I purchased, I tried to do a logo on my own when I first started and it, it sucked completely. Um, I purchased the stolen logo and didn't know it. Oh so no. Develop these experiences. Um, kind of interesting. Like when you go into crowdsourcing, right? Like going to 99 designs or Fiverr, there's a, there's probably about half the industry that is just replicating logos over and over again. You can go to Google and, and you can search things like logo thief or overused logo concepts. And you'll just see thousands of the same logo repeated over and over again with a few color tweaks or letter tweaks. And, and I didn't know that that world existed. It was just like foreign to me. So I was about to build on our CRM and coaching company. We were about to create an entire entity and coaching packets and a website. And, and I met a designer through 99designs. She was a platinum designer, which just means she's been verified. And she said, do you know you're about to build this brand around a stolen logo? Oh. And I was, I was like, what the heck? you know what are you even talking about like and she's so she gives me a, a website and it shows my logo with 500 of other logos that are the exact same and that was kind of like when things started to click with me about I, I have tremendous empathy for people I'm just able to sense when people are struggling or how they're feeling and I said if I've gone through this experience as a business owner how many other people are going through the exact same thing and have no idea what they're doing with with logos and colors and visual branding and all this and we literally ran into a week where my my coaching company had kind of a dead week and i went into a digital marketing group i said hey i'll help 10 people create a logo for free this week because my designer was literally sitting on their hands and that was the start of my company your branding spot was we started helping other business owners not purchase stolen logos, not try and do it on their own. Um, you know, avoid all the mistakes I've made. And it's kind of grown into this thing, morphed into this thing where that was, that was like not good enough for me. You know, a logo is not gonna make or break your business. The colors you use are not gonna make or break your business. And it, over time, we worked with enough people, it just developed into this thing where we do complete visual branding makeovers and we almost, I think the thing I see the most, um, and maybe it's from my experience of having my confidence shattered, 
that we bring people's confidence back out in their own brand and themselves. They're, they're proud to promote their own brand again because they finally feel like they represent the part online of who they truly are. That's awesome. I love that. And so that's kind of how I ended up here. I mean, I, I went through that four-year period. I took over a quarter million dollars in self-study courses. I went to every event I could go to. I went to seminars. I went to digital marketing. I, I bought Infusionsoft and lead pages, and I tried all these freaking widgets, you know? I was always looking for the next shiny object, only to discover that all the answers were in, inside me all along. Um, but it was it was just a weird process for me. I went through a lot of adversity. Um, I had two 15-month periods where we made no money. And so when you, when you go through a 15-month period where you don't make income, you, you discover a lot of things about yourself, about your family, about your relationships. And, and I'm lucky enough that my wife has stuck with me both times that we, we decided to go broke. But, uh, but that was my process. That's beautiful. It's inspiring. And I can relate. Yeah. I can relate. I, um, <clears throat> and there's, you know, there's something to say about I can, I can look back at it like this ever since I was, you know, the, from the day after I was homeless and the journey that I've been on since it was only in the moment of deciding to really pursue what I was called to do, what I believe in my heart I was called to do and taking a step every day towards that. And, and also into living my truth that it allowed me to feel joy and I hadn't made it hadn't got a paycheck, but damn it, I sure was happy. I don't know how, don't know why. I don't know how I found gratitude in, in what I was going through. have no idea, except that I did, and, 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 and I experienced joy. And then one day, I was like, oh, this is how it all works. This was the purpose for that, and the purpose for this, and the purpose for that, and how it all tied in together to make what has been the start of my dreams coming true. And it's been yeah, you know, an it's, absolute it's super, blessing. It's super interesting that you mentioned that. I mean, I think a lot of times, you know, you just, you, you imagine water skiing and you're only able to see the weight, you know, behind you. And the, I think that is part of gratitude. It is part of being able to look back and see how things tie together. Um, at the time, sometimes it just feels like misery. You know, that's, one of, one of, and I don't know why I remember this, but I remember this PBS special, and this is back in like 2010 or 11, but it was about how they make samurai swords. And about 50% or 80%, it was, some, it was some big number, break on the last phase of making a samurai sword. And it's because they put the metal under such tremendous heat and stress, and they bend it, and they, they, they put it under such stress that the ones that make it become the, the strongest swords in the world. And it's very similar to kind of the process of making a diamond or whatever, right? It's like that pressure and that stress sometimes forms you into something stronger than you knew you could become. And, and now I'm able to look back and say, I am grateful for going broke twice. I am grateful for that adversity. And my, my relationships that I have today are so much stronger because of, because of it. I don't, I don't necessarily want to do it again, <laughs> but, um, but I was lucky enough to run into 
some, and this might help somebody in your audience, you know, that's maybe going through adversity right now is, is I would say if I could do it all over again, I would have reached out for help sooner. Um, I would have reached out to mentors and coaches that had been there and done that. I would have, and, and that was probably my greatest gift is I took a, a chance on myself to go all in. I bet on myself and I took a, a trip across the world to some people that I thought could help me. And, and thankfully it turned out to be like the best trip of my life. Um, I surrounded myself with some tremendous coaches and mentors and, and literally rewired my mind um, around my own, you know, I got to the root of the problem. We're, we're all searching for that latest gadget to sell or we think money is gonna solve the answer or whatever. And, and it's not. And, and for me, the root of the problem was confidence and self-worth. And, oh, that worthiness. Really, really grateful to get to that place where, where I had people that helped me recognize that. Yeah, that is uh, beyond true. And I, I, have to, I have to go back and say this um, because Kat here is reminding me of a lot and how much I've struggled for the longest time about the right, bringing the right people into my life. There's been a lot of people that I've met over the years that have come in my life. There's a lot of hype and it's like, oh yeah, we get along really great. And like, yeah, this is great. And then I, something happens. I get screwed over, whatever. And then of course I blame myself. It wasn't until like, I kept going, why does, why are, why are all of these dead ends happening? Why are, why is everything falling through? And even though I had that glimpse of God talking to me going, live your truth, live all of it, let it all out, let it all out. I'm like, no, I'll do it when I'll do it when I'll do it when I'll come out when I'll come out when. And then, but it wasn't until I finally got the balls to go, this is the whole truth. Yep. This is why I've been where I'm at. This is the way I think. This is why I think the way I do. This is the why. This this is it. This is the whole story. And when I did that, and one understanding how freeing it was, all of a sudden the right people came in my life. The people that I knew that without a shadow of a doubt, no matter what fucking happened, pardon my French, but no matter what happened, I was they were going to have my back. They were going to stand by me. And then you were you brought up mentor, mentor for the first time. I have a mentor. And so, like, people like Kat, who is one of the most amazing humans on the planet, she comes in my life after this. And, like, she's been an amazing friend. And then Jason Cisneros. And, like, I go on and start naming people that have come in my life that are there because they truly want to be there. They know my ugly truth. And they still stand by me. And that, that is the most amazing thing. And it wasn't until then that I started to be blessed in other areas of my life. It's amazing how that works. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's interesting for sure. Um, and and it really a lot of the game is played between your ears. You know, I mean, it, it's we we do so we have so much self talk, and we we if you think about it, that's all we do all day long is we talk to ourselves in our heads, and we relate to situations, and we make up stories about what that means, and. And it's kind of crazy if you think about it. And and words matter. You know, yeah. the difference between saying, I am, um, I'm going to show my wife and family that this is all worth it versus I am showing my wife and family that this is worth it. You know, like those going to moments versus I am doing. 
Um, little words matter that you say to yourself. Little words matter that you say to other people. And, and if you start to pay attention to that, it's fascinating. You're, you're going to see how many times you say, I'm trying, I'm going to. Um, and those things are literally holding you in the place of you're always going to be trying. You're always going to be going to instead of just being and living your day and doing. And, and it's a it's a weird mental reframe um, and it's a hard it shift to make. It was really hard for me. I had to, I literally had to go and hire a performance coach who was also an NLP hypnotist to work with me eight weeks in a row. I was that screwed up and I didn't recognize I was that, that fucked up, right? Like we, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I, I've got the, I'm really close to making this thing work. And I didn't recognize how far I actually was, but it wasn't the latest widget. It wasn't the latest way to package my product. It was me. Mm-hmm. It was all inside me. And I had to get, I literally got hypnotized eight weeks in a row by somebody that knew, knew what they were doing to rewire how I thought, to rewire how I spoke to myself. And, and then some amazing things started happening on the, on the backside of it. I don't think most people need to go through that process, but, but that's, that's what happened for me is I, I was lucky enough to bump into somebody that helped. That's awesome. Mike, listen, our live feed is about to end. Um, I, I just, but I am so grateful that you came on the show today, man. I am, I, and thank you for modifying the schedule to be on a little bit later. Um, man, I'm a fan. Anything. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Make sure you plug your website, your Facebook group, all that stuff in the comments, please, so people know how to find you. Um, I will most definitely be in touch. But again, thank you so much for being on the show, bro. God bless, man. man. You too. Bye. All right, right, everybody. That's it. iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, iTunes, YouTube, and, of course, Facebook. I love you guys. Thank you, Kat, for joining the show. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you, everyone listening. Lori, great to see you. Thank you guys so much. Peace out.